Our gospel reading this morning comes from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and told the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to your sight. Our strength our rock, our love, and our redeemer. Amen. So earlier
earlier this week, I shared with someone that I would be preaching on Sunday. And they looked at me very seriously and they said, are you nervous? And I looked back at them very seriously and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and we all laughed and, and, and then I began to unpack that response a little bit. Um, yes, I, I get a little nervous, you know, to preach on Sunday mornings because I stand in front of so many people. It doesn't look like so many right now. There's like a few of us in here, but in person and virtually. Um, and I share what I believe to be some of my deepest truths that I have come to know alongside God through scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And in doing so, I feel um, incredibly exposed and, and vulnerable, yet at the same time, honored and immensely blessed to be able to share reflections with each of you about this journey we call life. And life can be beautiful and mysterious, but it can also be complicated, painful, and confusing. And this might be where we find our biblical story this morning. Our gospel text from Mark has a lot going on. There is illness, suffering, isolation, loss, and also miracles. Just as Jacob wrestled with God in the wilderness, I have wrestled with this text. <laughs> and, and I might be limping, but I am here today to hopefully share something of value um, about what I have learned in working through this, this text this week. So as I mentioned a moment ago, so many things are happening in this story that it almost feels like there are two stories. Right? The story of the woman who is bleeding and the story of the child who is dying. And at first, you might just think, this must be a really busy day for Jesus, right? Just a lot going on. Or maybe you think our Markin author, oh, I apologize, our Markin author, as concise as they are, um, is just trying to pack a lot into one story. However, when, when we look again, we notice that these events are deeply interwoven, and together they tell a more complete story. The Bible is not historical fact. It is a literary work. And in this expansive masterpiece, numbers are very important. They are symbols, and they convey messages from our biblical authors. The number that we see in this text is the number 12. The woman has been bleeding for 12 years. The child is 12 years old. Perhaps the most important place we see 12 elsewhere in scripture are in the 12 tribes of Jacob, which comprised all of Israel. So when we see the number 12 in our text today, this indicates that this is not just a story about a woman who has bled for a long time or a child of a particular age. These are not isolated incidents in which Jesus brings healing. No, we are speaking about the full community. 
So the question we might ask ourselves now is, what is Jesus telling us about life together as a community, as a society, as a world? So in the time of Jesus's ministry, there would have been very strict practices in place around purity in the Jewish community. As outlined in the Torah, meaning the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, both menstruating women and corpses were unclean. More so, anything they touched or anything that touched them would also be made unclean. And yet, the woman touches Jesus. Disobeying the ancient practices of her people, defiling the Messiah, risking everything because her everything is nothing. She is excluded. She is unclean. She is unwelcomed. And she has mustered up only enough hope for one last attempt at healing. Sometimes I wonder how her life might have been different if she was facing only a physical ailment. But this was a lot more than that. She was an outcast. She had no one. And she crawled through the crowd and she reached for the person she believed would heal her or, or the person she believed would accept her. And he did. Maybe the woman stopped bleeding when she touched Jesus, but maybe that wasn't even what she needed healing for. Maybe she just needed to be seen. Maybe she just needed to be called daughter, which recognized her as a part of the Jewish community. Maybe she just needed physical touch which we have all learned is very important throughout this pandemic. And what if the disease that she needed to be healed from is not in her own body, but in the world around her? What if that was what was keeping her from being a part of the community? That was what was causing her immense suffering. And I wonder what diseases we see in our world that we might need healing from. Where are we as a people building walls where we could build bridges, weapons when we could build plowshares? What ailments cause us to keep our circles tight and closed when we could draw them wider and wider still? This woman nameless in our text, rejected in the eyes of society, needed to be healed. The daughter of Jairus, who was revered in the eyes of society, needed to be healed too. And she was. This is one story. And it teaches us that love and redemption from God is for everyone for the outcast, for the children, for the weak, and for the strong. Because in the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as an outcast, 
as greater or lesser than, because in the kingdom, we are all called by name as God's beloved. We are all of sacred worth, and we all belong. And the kingdom is not some perfect village in the sky that we arrive at post-death. No, the kingdom is also right here. And what's more is that we don't even have to build it. We just have to stop obstructing it. We have to recognize that we already stand on holy ground, that we don't have to bring God anywhere because God is already there. We just have to notice. We have to stop creating and perpetuating boxes and binaries that we were never created to fit into. We have to stop deeming those who do not fit into our imagined constructs as less than or unworthy. In our text today, we saw Jesus break through the boxes and the binaries and the barriers, giving new life to the woman and to the child teaching the community of the time that there is worthiness where they saw only weakness. There is hope where they saw only devastation. There is room for all in the kingdom of God. So how might we, like the woman and the child, find new life together, healing together, as one united community, society, world. As I end this part of our worship service, I'm reminded of the poem, When You See Water, by Alice Walker. It reads, when you see water in a stream, you say, oh, this is stream water. When you see water in the river, you say, oh, this is water of the river. When you see ocean water, you say, this is the ocean's water. But actually, water is always only itself and does not belong to any of these containers, though it creates them. And so it is with you. Will you pray with me? God of creation, of night and day and sunset, of land and water and marshes, remind us that there is no normal. There is no one way to live. Help us, O oh God, to notice you in every place and in every person. May we offer healing to those who have been outcast. May we find strength and assurance that we are loved by you. Your love never ceases. Your mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we place our hope in you, O oh God. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing hymn 2213, Healer of Our Every Ill. <laughs>